rather have something that irritates the parasite because at least it will move and you'll see it yeah or you may be able to start weakening its hold on you but soothing it you know giving it all good news and patting it and and stroking it isn't going to help the parasite so the irritability is somewhat good I think when you're in, when you're offering a message or an invitation yeah it's not like because uh, you got to see what's being soothed yeah if the dilemma is getting stroked that's the dilemma yeah just so I really see it as a parasite from the from the recovery days because you could really feel like with alcohol and drugs uh, you were possessed yeah I mean I remember I'd be having a somewhat good day sitting with the woman I was seeing at the time and then the idea of doing cocaine would come in and that was the only idea it just became the obsessive drive and then I started trying to talk her into going to the bank you know using her ATM card let's take out a couple hundred dollars of course I didn't have a couple hundred dollars so I had to try to talk her into getting the hundred dollars and and it would just be relentless it would get one smell of that word cocaine and it would just be like a pit bull and I'd just be I'd just be like a machine looking to get that yeah with no regard for anything in my way other than if you could physically stop me so it was like really a possession and in a way you see it now I, that's how I view it I view selfing like a foreign installment I feel like I wasn't wearing that helmet when I was a kid but somehow the helmet came over and then I became identified as the helmet I was taking the visor as my eyes I was thinking that's how I see I didn't know it was tinted what I was looking through at all I didn't know it was like an installment yeah and until I, and so I, I was trying to get relief from that installment. Obviously, I fell into that thing. I was getting relief for the installment. Yes, it feeds on relief. It can you whatever solution you bring to it, it will make a problem out of it. But when I recognize the, you ever see those movies where they go into some alien place? And they all have their heavy helmets, and one of them decides, hey, I'm going to take it off and see if I can breathe. And everyone's going, no, no, no. And he switch, takes the thing off, and ah, it's okay. You know, and then some are a little quicker or slower than others to take their helmets off, you know. But then they all, ah, it's okay, but they need that first person to give it a shot, you know, to take the chance, okay. That's what it was for me. I saw that my mind gotten thoroughly possessed that and there was a part be it imagined or not of a memory when I was young where it wasn't possessed so if I wasn't possessed and I became possessed something must have happened I must have grown out of something and grown into something else if I did grow into something that means I can grow out of it you know if it's, if it's not so that it only seems to be so then there's a possibility yeah, that I can be free from that. So it was a matter of getting the information about what was ailing me, you know, and having a specific diagnosis. Because if I, let's say, have a cold, and I, I think it's the flu, and I take a lot of flu medicine, colds and flu have similar symptoms, but not all. 
And if I spend tons of money on that medicine, I'm not going to get relief because I misdiagnosed. I thought it's the flu, but it's a cold. Yeah? So the whole point for me is to recognize, okay, what is the source of the irritability, restlessness, and discontent? Yeah? And if you're not that source, then there can be a freedom from the irritability, restlessness, and discontent. Yeah? The problem with this irritability, restlessness, and discontent, it's rooted in identification as. So when one gets identified as it, it's leaving the irritability, disease, and discontent is another form of being irritable, disease, and discontent. Every exit isn't an exit. You're just going to enter another phase of the same thing. Yeah? All the maps you get that are pointing a way out have no intention of taking you out. They're just another extension of being in. Yeah? Now, you can go through a lot of experience of that, or maybe one, and you can get it, that there's a principle. And the principle for me was, you can't transcend an imaginary place. I can't leave someplace I'm not. It's impossible. Yeah? Not to say that all the ways to leaving were faulty. The, the, what was at fault was the idea of where I was. I was believing I was somewhere that I'm not. So if I want a map to Idaho, if someone wants to give me directions to go to Idaho, I've got to be clear where I start from. How are they going to give me directions? The directions are based on where I am. If I'm in California, they're going to be different directions than if I'm in New York, yes? So it isn't the maps. There's tons of maps, but you've got to know where you're at. <laughs> or you'll just be on another journey. And let's say if you take a first step and then you have 9,999 steps after that, the first step dictates the direction, yeah? Like in Buddhism, they talk about the Eightfold Path. Have you ever heard of that? They have the Four Noble Truths, which is explaining what the dilemma is, yeah? There's like a, like a vague suffering or a malaise or a dissatisfaction produced by desiring. To me, the real desire is the desire to become. Yeah? And then in the dualistic expression, it's a desiring to unbecome. So you believe you are something you don't want to be, or you believe you're something you're not. Yeah? And you want to be something else. So there's always a desire to become, or a desire to unbecome. Moving on. Yeah? So if that's like the initial desire, that's the cause of suffering. Yeah? And they say, okay, well there's a way out. What's that out? What way out? And then it goes into the Eightfold Noble Path. If you look at it in a linear way, the first step is right view. Yeah. Then it goes right meditation, right understanding, right livelihood. It has another seven things, but the first one is right view. And the right of the view carries into the right of everything else, I believe. Yeah. If the right if the view isn't right, then the meditation isn't going to be right, then the livelihood won't be right, then the understanding won't be right. What's the right view? Well, in Buddhism, the right view is anatta, or non-self. Yeah? That there isn't any long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes, That, like Buddha says, events happen, deeds are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. Yeah? Events happen, there's no denying what's happening, but what we're, de- what we're attempting to say in a, in a holistic way of denial, we're trying to deny it's happening to anyone. Yeah? We're not denying what's happening. That's what occurs. When something happens, an action happens, the selfing sucks the, uh, the, the fact of that happening to have 
to verify it's happening to someone. Yeah? So it gets its reality off of, hey, this really happened, so it, I must really be the one it happened to if it really happened, yes? Because the conditional mind can't just see a verb. It always has to insert a noun. So if it's not you that did it or I did it, it's God that did it, some noun is going to be the one that's doing everything. It can't just be doing. Yeah? It can't be just streaming. It's got to be a source from whence it all comes. Yeah? So if the right view is, is that, that you're not that, then by having the right view, that right view goes into all of your actions. But you can't get the right view from the actions. Yeah? It's like when you see a saint and you, you look at what he does or she does and then you try to make a discipline based on what they do when actually they're just expressing a place they're at. They're not get, trying to get there from what they're doing. They're expressing where they are by what they're doing. Yeah? If we try to turn that around, all right, I'm going to do exactly what they do and I'll get to where they got to. But they didn't get there that way, did they? If anyone is really truthful who we're talking about being awake, they can't say that they did anything to produce that, honestly. I don't believe they can. They may say it, but I don't believe they can honestly say, oh, this, this event of awakening definitely came from this. Because I did this, that happened. I don't believe that's so. Yeah? And I hear people who are ha- sitting with people and meditating, and yet they say meditation has nothing to do with it. Yet they, they have meditation. You know, it's sort of a weird thing. Uh, but if you ask someone, hey, how did it happen? I don't know, really. It's the best they can come with. Yeah? Now, you, may, you can may signify, well, this and this and that and that may open you up to something. Who knows? I believe there's grace. But the way it only works for me is really negating what is not me. Telling the truth about what I'm not. Because when all's left, that's what I am. Yeah? But I can't have an experience of that. Yeah? That's what all experiences are coming from, but no experience is being had of it. Yeah? So by saying, seeing that phantom, and to me it's just watching what arises in my head and how it's used to indicate a person, a subject, a someone, and realize if you look back and just don't take the, the pointing as the truth but look at what it's pointing to, you'll see there's no one there. Yeah? But usually pointing just is more than enough. The mind does the rest. It just assumes, oh, there's someone that everything's pointing to. Every time my is applied, it takes something and uses it to point at me. Yeah? We never look deeper than the pointing. So, like they say in Zen, there's the pointing at the moon. Don't, don't, miss the pointing for the moon while we're doing that. The me is like the fake moon that all the pointing is at and we're taking the pointing to be the moon. Yeah? Because there is no moon. There is no subject there. Yeah? You can't find anybody. It's just assumed or inferred or implied. It becomes a vague sense of being a self. A vague sense. And what is that sense? It's like a permeating atmosphere with all the activity and all the events being claimed by the mental process, by all the claiming that everything is my or me, about me, there's a vague feeling that exudes, which is the feeling of being Paul. Yeah? So when a thought happens, 
there's just an assumption that it's mine. Yeah? Somehow I had something to do with that thought. I knew a lady, you could mention the most abstract thing, abstract thing and it only take her mind about a second to pertain it to her. I swear to God, I'd be talking about deer, let's say, on the north coast of British Columbia, and then she was worrying about the deer getting into her backyard in about a half a second. She could take a statement about something and immediately pertain it to her. This is what mine's like. Life's happening, but then it's life's happening to me. Yeah, It's this huge sucking in of, of it. Instead of just watching it pass by, we suck it in. And we turn, and it gets distorted. It, we put it into an orbit, and it becomes all about us. Yeah? And that fascination, that obsession, is what we're trying to get out of. Yet you can't get out of self as a self. That's one of biggest, biggest statements in recovery. Self can't get out of self. Yeah? How could a product that's produced by a mental process leave the mental process that produces it? Yeah? It doesn't create it, it produces it, it makes it. So without the making, it isn't so. Why? Because it isn't so without the making. So the mental process has constantly has to constantly remember you. That's why when you were a kid, you don't have any memories of when you're like eight months, seven months old usually, right? The faculty of memory hasn't kicked in. And they, they say that in research, around 18 months is when the selfing starts in a baby. And it sort of coincides with the language center getting turned on. And you better believe language is, is the living transsetter in our heads. All thoughts are wrapped in language, yeah? And they all seem to sound like you. And the only claim that it's your voice is it's the vocal cords of this body. But because you're identified as the body, you call it, oh, it sounds like me. No, it just sounds like the vocal cords of this body, really. But me, it's me talking. And of course, it's like that E.F. Hutton or whatever, that stock thing says, when E.F. Hutton talks, everyone listens. It's like, when me talks, I listen. (laughs) No one else listens, but I listen. Why? Because it's me. We're just saying, let's see if that me is solid and real. Maybe if that me was shifted, or let's say moved out of its position as the son of the system, maybe something would happen to the system. Yeah, just maybe. Find out. Yeah? Maybe it's a rogue moon that's parading as the sun. Yeah? And everything's running around the moon, and we're not getting enough light, we're not getting enough nourishment, and we're pretty much dying from that weak light of the moon. Yet the sun is available. Yeah. Well, we just have the question, is the moon the sun? When it isn't, we have the eyes to see the sun. But if you keep calling the moon the sun, you have the, you have, you have the eyes that look like the moon. Yeah? You just try to break it down into some, such simplicity because that's the only thing that will allow you to travel today lightly. You know? Not to put it off to the next big retreat or anything like that, but basically the minutiae of the day. To have a sense of availability and openness to what? Next week or the truth? No, the fucking day. (laughs) What's being presented right now? You know what I mean? In all its disguises. (laughs) And I don't believe you can practice yourself into it Who's being mindful when you're practicing mindfulness? 
Who's mindful of the mindfulness? Or is there an observer of the mindfulness? Which to me is selfing anyway. Yeah? How are you going to... How are you going to be mindful, really? Who's going to tell you what's mindful or not? How are you going to know when you're mindful? Something's going to tell you, right? Who's going to tell you that you're mindful? What aspect of mind's going to tell you? I would say the selfing will. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like seeking a false authority. Now, someone came and visited me here yesterday, and he was telling me about a very sound way of living, the Vedas or something, you know, the Upanishads and Vedas, and going it step by step, and that there's a necessity for maybe getting your ass kicked sufficiently in life to be open to peace. And, you know, sounds good and stuff like that. But still, any, any condition or any requirement... If you put off something for the merest amount of time, it's like the difference between heaven and earth, yeah? If there's one requirement drops in between you and what you are, that's one too many. I mean, how much do you have to bathe the sky for it to be clear? Yeah. How am I going to purify mind? <laughs> I mean, jeez, it's too late now. <laughs> if you know you're having a difficult time, at least look at some lightness has occurred. Yeah? And I'll tell you, if it's not happening fast enough, when all said and done, you won't matter. It wasn't. It won't matter at all. Yeah, be it at the point of death or if you get if the emphasis really shifts, there'll never be any sense of longing or you missed out or because you won't have any real. You'll be so separated from the story of Paul or Steve or Linda or Denise. So separated from it. Yeah. It wasn't like, I wish I would have gotten this sooner. It never comes up that I wish I got this sooner. Or why didn't I stay a little longer on that meditation pillow? And I should have saw that teacher when he was in town. None of that means anything. Because it's not of time. Yeah? So when it becomes obvious to you, there wasn't any time it could have been more obvious than that time. Yeah? So, you're not missing out on anything at all I mean just be like in AA the biggest problem is no one wants to grow up really I mean when I got loaded I didn't want to feel anything feelings and emotions were heavy I had my my uh, father and my grandmother died when I was nine it was way too much for me my little system and my system closed down and I just took counsel from my head from then on I went right way up the ass of self and you know 
Everyone wants the easier, softer way. Everyone doesn't want to have a bad feeling in their life. Everyone doesn't want to feel uncomfortable. Well, guess what? That happens here. Yeah? It happens. Yeah? It's not about... It's not going to change the terrain of your life. It's just going to allow you to travel lighter over it. That's all. Yes? Discom- discomfort arises, but to who? Yeah? And if it isn't hap- if if it is arising to you, you'll dance a whole different dance with it. It's the you that defines how you're going to dance with life. It's not life defining you. The you is defining life. Yeah. If we can question that you and let something else define our life, the dance may seem the same, but it will go very differently. Yeah? You got to see that basic axiom that you and I are given everything all the meaning it has. That's what we do as a functioning apparatus here. We're giving meaning to things all day. yeah. And the fact is, they're not your meanings. If they're coming from self-centeredness, they feel like your meanings. yeah. But that's the system itself. It produces a feeling that... Let's say, it's so weird. When selfing grabs you, it produces a feeling that you were there before you were grabbed. It creates a historical feeling of being you. Yeah? It's sort of like there's a process that produces the sense of you, but when the sense of you is felt, it feels like it was before the process. <laughs> yeah, it does. You feel like you're doing the self thing or it's doing happening to you as if you were primarily there before. The feeling of you is rising. Yeah, It rises on predicated variables called selfing and it produces a sense of being a you and then that sense of being a you becomes the false starting point so we forget consciousness because we have to to be the starting point and the emphasis is now on a mental idea and the mental process is now claiming to be the one that's conscious so you start at square five and it seems like the game board doesn't make sense of course it doesn't because you started at square five yeah? The way to play the game really is to go backwards to square one. <laughs> You're not going to find it by going to square 89. You're going to, by looking back and retracing the steps, then you realize, oh, so seeing when, seeing when seeing, hearing when hearing, feeling when feeling. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's the engagement of consciousness with life. And then it also sees all the opinions that arise, the historical feeling of being a someone, the vague sense, really drippy sense of being you. All of that comes after the scene. Nothing precedes the scene. And then the, then the horse and the cart line up. Instead of the cart trying to push the horse, which is what we're doing in a way, then we just change the direction, and now the horse isn't in our way. We go with the way the horse is going. Yeah, the cart gets dragged quite well. <laughs> it's, it's freaking simple. And then you just look like out and recover. We have one rule called Rule Sixty Two, which is don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> it's the greatest rule, man. Don't take yourself so seriously. How you can't take a self more seriously than taking believing it's you. I mean, that's the most serious you can ever be about it, yeah? If you and I give everything the meaning it has, what's the biggest meaning anything could be given, which is you? It's you. It's bigger than God. It's the meaning of God, literally, yeah? 
You're the fa- you're the fact you're the functioning of God here. You're the one who says you're going to know God. Doesn't God doesn't seem to know you, does he? Or she doesn't know you until you want to know it, right? You're the bigger God, in a sense. So the biggest meaning that can ever be given to is you, yeah. So we're living from the first meaning the mind is given, and then from there issue forth all the other meanings, yeah. And we don't like all the other meanings, but we really like this one. We really like being the long-lasting, independent, separate entity. We like the specialness. We like being right. We like even being wrong. That's being right, yeah? It's like that fruit we don't want to give up. We like it to be better, you know? We like all the, all the things to stop bothering us, but we want to be that which is being bothered, yes? Just to admit you're not willing to let go, and that's the part of letting go. This whole idea of thinking I wanted to be free was bullshit. I just wanted to look like I wanted to be free. I was scared shit of being free. I was quite happy and content in confinement, even though I was bitching constantly about it. But if the door ever sprung open, I would never have left anyway. <laughs> I just wanted to live with the hope of leaving. <laughs> It became okay that I don't want to be free. That's so fucking far out. That I was relieved of the need to be liberated. That's so fucking far out. Yeah? (laughs) That my Saturday isn't building on a giant mountain of value that's finally going to produce a great effect. (laughs) It's just another day. Yeah, and after a couple, of, after years, you see the days really fade quickly into the backdrop of the the real constancy. Yeah, all the particulars they come out almost like dye in a cloth, but they recede very quickly, and yet your eye is never off the, the the length of the cloth anymore. Yeah, you're always sensing the background. In other words, every movie there's the sense of the screen behind it. Yeah. You just have a sense of the space things are happening in because that space is constant. What happens in it comes and goes, yes? But the space is always so, yeah? The mind doesn't take its eye off the ball like the single eye of the mind. It doesn't take the eye off the ball. So it's constantly in the state of seeing nothing, which goes on infinitely, and it has enough attention to deal with what's happening, yeah? Yet it doesn't take its eye off the ball. I mean, I had to, something had to happen. I wouldn't have made it here, really. If I didn't have drugs, fuck it. Things really would have been bad. You know, I needed relief, like, really badly. And I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow to feel some, you know, to feel some relief now. Yeah? It was like an, the imperative of all imperatives. And until that was removed, it was just going to be hell on earth here. Yeah? And the only thing that removed it was not changing who I was, but realizing I wasn't. I was so fucking tired of trying to change who I was. Yeah? And then I realized I wasn't, and that was dismissed, and, you know? I was like an urban renewal project, constantly blueprints being put out and going over all day my head, going over everything. Yes? It was just unbelievable. I needed relief. Thank God I got it, seriously.
like I saw that guy sit on the bridge, and you know that kid needed relief. He tried to jump off the bridge, and uh, you know he didn't do it. And they had, they drag him over the thing, and you could see his face was in such such shock because there he had come up with his best answer, and he couldn't fulfill it. You know what the hell's going to go on? Who knows? But his face was had a told a huge story when I saw it. You know. What would bring someone to that place? The point is, you'll hear it. You hear that mind, but you won't listen to it. It's a huge difference, yeah? Because the consciousness will be conscious of thoughts, and will be conscious of feelings, and will be conscious of the meaning the mind gives to the feelings, and it will be conscious of memories that will arise to reaffirm those feelings, and it will be conscious of a lot of things, yes? But you will be conscious of them. You will not be unconscious being absorbed in them anymore, yeah? You will hear that yapping, but you won't listen to the yapping. You'll have immunity to it, because you'll be established, and that's something that's been revealed, yes? Once it's revealed, it's difficult for the selfing to cover it up. Yeah. Once it's been seen, once the unspoken yes has hit, the, it echoes in the mind. That raw mind it echoes in. Yes. It's very difficult for the selfing to override that. It has to work huge amount of hours to try to override it. First, it tries to claim it, yeah, neuter it. But then, if you'll mature through that stage, and if you just stay with it, it gets established, and you'll just travel freaking lighter, and you'll be available to others, and you'll have a sense of presence that people will sense and feel, which will remind them of what they most need to be reminded of. Yeah, you'll be in a sense of certainty, and the person's mind will pick up that certainty, and that's a beautiful message. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with you. It's just a seat assignment. You just show up for it, and that's the way it goes, yeah? What was someone saying about that thing written in numbers and hieroglyphics? If you concentrate, you don't see it, but if you just look at it loosely, all these words and stuff come out. That's what it's like. To me, the awareness diffused is better than concentrated, yeah? just to walk around with a diffuse. It's sort of like the aperture isn't locked in and concentrating. It's opened up and it's receiving. Yeah, it's, you just feel bigger. Yeah, and you're not, and it doesn't, it doesn't go like this so much. It doesn't go on things. It just stays open. So it sees the space around things. It doesn't go lock in. I want that. It's just like, it stays open, Yeah has movement, but it's doesn't it's not like where it used to its default mechanism was really small, you know what I mean? Now its default mechanism is like that, you know, much wider. It's pretty cool. You know, you just have an ease and comfort. Whatever you're doing, you can travel lighter through it. Yeah? And what's the greatest healing touch but a light touch? Yes? What's the greatest soothing bomb? Someone who's holding the space. Really? Yeah? So in a way, you're doing the least amount of effort, yet the most amount of effect is issuing out of you.
if your mind can entertain it, it's possible. Yeah. It's just how it entertains it. We're trying to point out that the selfing will claim it, and it will be what entertains the message. Which means, when you hear that you're a lion, it will sound like I can become like a lion. Yeah. As soon as you start from I can become like a lion, you're defeated because it's all the def- trying to become like a lion only defines the reality that you're a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to get clear which one is which. If you're not the sheep, then maybe you are the lion. Then why would you want to become like one? You already are. <laughs> the only thing you could try to become like is your idea of a lion. Yeah. How many years have you been coming? Yeah. Have I changed my tune much? No. Huh? feels like today's different. Yeah? Well, good. It always does Yeah, feel different. But it's the same tune. That's the thing. I haven't left this one message. It's like, how many ways can I say the same thing? <laughs> Thousands of ways. Thousands, yeah? yeah. It's been embellished. That's right. You just go off. But it always boils down to nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah? You walked in exactly with what you were maybe looking for to get. You're already that. I'm serious. You are already that. Just the way it's expressing itself right now. It must. All expressions must come from that source. All appearances must arise out of what they're appearing in. Yeah. Slip my, I slap myself now. I need some bitch slap. Here we go. You need some? Yes. <laughs> We're going to sanitize our hands and I'm going to come over and slap each one of you. The bitch slap. Yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it, yeah. What is a bitch slap? It's just a reminder, you know? Yeah, that's all it is. You've gotten many of them, yes? It's easy to flip in, it's to slip in there, isn't it? Though it used to be like you'd have to try to squeeze in between heavy conceptual rocks. You tend to move into it easier now, isn't it? Through habit and repetition. The space, the, the gateless gate is bigger than it used to be. Yeah? So you can just get in and out, seemingly in and out, yeah? The point is, is to see that both sides are the same. Yeah, where you're leaving to go into is the same place you went into. So why do you go out? Yeah, same, same. But it's getting easier, isn't it, for most people? Yes. I remember this lady here. She was a wreck that time you first came in, and you've always looked a lot better since then. <laughs> I have nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, seriously, something lifted off of you and you haven't brought it back. And, you know, because I'm not here all the time, but I've seen you the last few years. You know? So. I find that I can stop considering about me if I feel good. But when I get. When I feel threatened, then, then I find it. Then it's me who's being threatened. Yeah. <laughs> All of that stuff. So why not just use it as a way of inquiring then? 
who is that me that's threatened? It's a very beautiful way because you're not denying the threat. Yeah? You're not doing anything about that. You're just asking who it is that's being threatened. It's not invalidating the threat or the feelings. It's just asking who is it that's having the feelings. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Just point a little this way. That's all. Just like if you're worrying about next week, it has no opinion about should you be worrying or not. That's baloney. It just asks who is it that's worrying about next week. Yeah? The right and wrong doesn't come up. Oh, I shouldn't be worrying about next week. You've lost then. It's just a matter of who is it that's worrying about next week. Who is it that's so concerned about how they look today? Doesn't mean... It's not invalidating the concern at all. It doesn't. It's not saying a damn thing about where usually the emphasis goes. It's asking where the emphasis doesn't go, but it really goes to who is it that who is it that's concerned about how I look? Yeah, who is it that's this? That's all. It's not like a judgmental or a vindictive or an incriminating question. It's just a very open-ended question. Well, who is it? Because if you give all the meaning it has, then the concern about next week is the carrier of the meaning your mind gave it through you. If the you or the me isn't you, then you can shift like carrier. In other words, another aspect of mind will give everything the meaning it has through you. Yeah? Right now, we're living the meaning that self-centeredness delivers into a life when it's the dominant state. Yeah? We, we live by its possibilities. Okayness isn't a possibility now. It's a possibility of a past or a future. I will be okay or I was okay. Yeah? The okayness is usually brought about by doing and having. We never see it as a certain right. We always think that I have to honor or I have to earn being okay. Yeah? This is all from self-centeredness. Yeah? We've been through, every one of us has been over every inch of self-centeredness already. We've, we're running around the same track. All that happens is the scenery shifts every once in a while, but it's the same track. Yeah? We've exhausted every formula for happiness, joyousness, and freedom, most of us. If it, you haven't, someone else that's sitting in the room has. We've done, every one of us has sniffed out every little s- supposed treasure and you know what? It's a failed system. Mind isn't doing well relying on it. Mind is very anxious about what's not happening relying on it. Yeah? Mind is very, very living out of a past that's remembered. It could have never fucking happened, but it's just conjured up and it becomes an incredible influence in our experience now. Yeah? This is all what's coming from self-centeredness. Where to look? Look at the center of the system, self. If the center of the system isn't so, when that drops out, the whole system weakens. It's held in place by the center. Yeah? We're not talking about how a skillful means to how to navigate through this self-centeredness or is there a final exit of the self-centeredness where the authentic self will appear. We're not saying any of that. We're saying, is there a self? Yeah? Is that center where all the meaning is being issued from, is it a real point of meaning? Or is it a phantom? If it's a phantom, maybe maybe the meaning shifting will occur and another aspect of mind will give meaning through you to life. And you may respond to that meaning a lot better than you're responding to this other meaning. Yeah? And how will that look? You'll be traveling lighter. 
It's not condemning or anything. It's just saying, is it working for you? How much hope can you live by? How much putting off something can you live by? How much, oh, it's going to be great next week, can you live by? When is there a point that you see the failedness of a system? Let's say if a system of delivering furniture worked, yeah? In other words, they delivered what they said they would deliver, when they said it, hopefully not a couch in my case, but <laughs> a, let's say a, whatever, a table. They delivered it, it was unscratched, it was as it was advertised, they got it there every time, on the time they said they were going to get it. Would that, would that company need excuses for missing the delivery? Would it need ex- rationalizations for why it didn't make the delivery? Would it need to blame someone for stopping me from making the delivery? No, yeah? Because the system worked. Why is it that our minds are filled with excuses, rationalizations, condemnations, and blame? Why? They're the, they're, the, they're the fumes of a failed system. They're the pollution of a failed system. All the blame, all the excuses, all the rationale never, never soothe the real guilt of you being the center of a universe that your mind has made. You're not in that position to be God. It doesn't work. It's too much. This is allows life to happen, not to you. Yes, you may not have a, a big enough. You may not have a big opinion about worrying about next week when it's not you worrying about next week, because you may not be holding yourself in such high standards anymore, where you can have mercy and compassion on someone else, but you think you should have known better. You can show more compassion to someone you don't know than you can to someone you intimately seem to know. Yeah, where you're relieved of the anxiety of imperfection, you're fucking relieved of it. Yeah, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be the perfect lover. You're not going to be the perfect friend. You're going to be an asshole at times. You're going to step on people's toes. Yet there isn't. It isn't you, and it doesn't mean what you fucking think it means. To be relieved of that anxiety of imperfection, that's from an old Gita, the Ashtabhakra Gita. It's one of the greatest lines I've ever read. You'll be relieved of the anxiety of imperfection. What standards that you hold to you, yourself, do you apply them to almost anyone else? Maybe the only one you apply them to, or a higher one, is to a lover, but no, no one else. No one else is, has such stringent rules on themselves. Yes? Someone you can give total compassion to, but you beat the living shit out of you if you do it. It's a form of tyranny. We're living under slavery. Yeah? We're living under... Seeking is slavery. To constantly be looking for relief is fucking slavery. The only way I found relief was it wasn't me. Yeah, If it was me, if it's truly me, all those thoughts about me have validity. I should be different. I should be better. I should be doing more. I should be more loving. I should meditate more. I should practice things more. Yes? 
if it was me, there would be no let up. There would be constant whipping it into some fucking weird position. The only relief I got was not holding the hand of the whip, but realizing it's not me. That's what worked for me. That's what worked for me. Every else, everything else didn't work. Everything else, as soon as I had that answer, they were seeking for new answers or more answers. This was the only answer that became the last answer in my life. When I heard this message, I haven't sought another answer since. Yeah? Everything else in my life, even though it was a solution like recovery, I still look for more answers. This was the only thing I ever came across that stopped that whole searching and seeking. Yeah? And its whole point was, you're not that which needs relief. You're not that which needs liberation. You're not that. Yeah? And just fill in the blanks. Because there's tons of them. That was the only thing that fucking worked. Yeah? Better than a drink. Better than a shot of Coke. Better than everything else I attempted to transcend with. It was weird because the transcendence is being here. This is how you transcend. The mythical here of mind that you want to constantly get out of is by being what's being really here. That's the transcendence of the fake here in your head. Yeah? All this was telling me was get out of here and I took it to be this place. It wasn't this place I wanted out of. It was this false here in my head that's all packed with there and then. You never have a here in the mental realm. It's always packed with there and then. It's always defined by past and future. You're never in the present moment in the mind. In the mental state, there is no present moment. It's a book ended with past and future. It's an extension of the past and then a moving towards the future. There is no present moment in the mental realm. And there's no God in the mental <coughs> realm, self for self. Every God in the mental realm is made up by self. Yeah? The Christian God, the Hindu gods, they're all made up by self in that realm of time. It was by being really here, which was the last place my head had told me to be for, since I've been six years old, to finally let everything this be as real as it wanted to be. The only way I found that it was unreal was by letting it be as real as it wanted to be. My whole life was about trying to make things unreal. And they became as real as possible. When I let them be as real as they wanted to be, they showed themselves to be unreal. That's the only way that nature was revealed. Because I was too busy make giving them a meaning. I couldn't see what was going on. Yeah? Finally, I surrendered. It all came down on me, and I realized it's not real. Yeah, it's far out. You know, it's like that dream tiger. You're not afraid of it when you wake up. It's only when you're a dreamt object does it have the power to influence you, to have fear, to provoke fear. It's only from a wrong perception. It's like that, the snake and the rope, you know? You take the rope to be a snake, and then someone has to point out to you, hey, it's a rope. That's what happened to me when I was young. I always tell this story. When I was young, I was like 12 years old, and I think I was trying to look pretty cool, you know? started to have those hormones and started, we'd try to go to malls you know in Long Island and there was one big mall called Roosevelt Mall and I'd get my best gear on and I'd just take the bus there and walk around you know <laughs> and I had these pants these red corduroys and a long sleeve gray shirt 
and I had longer hair then, and I'd walk around, and everyone was looking at me, and I thought, wow, it's working, you know, I'm looking really cool, walking around. And I'd get put on the same gear pretty much every weekend and go to the Roosevelt Mall. And after three months, a friend of mine had some compassion on me, and he said, you know, Paul, you know the color of that shirt? I go, yeah, it's gray. He says, no, it's pink, really. And he says, you know those red, you know those pants? I said, yeah, my red corduroys, they're magenta. (laughs) So as soon as he told me they were pink and magenta, I never saw them as gray and red again. Never. And I was never drawn into looking at the closet because every time I saw them, I saw them as gray and red. Yeah? As soon as I heard the message, I got it. They were, they were magenta and pink, yes? They never became gray or red again. That's sort of what it's like, yeah? And you and I, we've all been, we've all been served the spiritual subpoena. We've all gotten it, in a way. Yeah? You see it? So this is like an incredible meditation. Just looking around. Yeah? Sense the space of the room. Hear the sound. The sound's brought to us by silence, right? You can hear the sound, but it's covered. It's surrounded with silence. That's why you can only hear it. Without silence, you wouldn't hear anything. Yeah? Without nothing, nothing would ever have appeared. So the mind has the ability to be calibrated so it picks up nothing. So it senses presence. So when it's seeing, it sees nothing, which goes on infinitely, because you never alight on anything. Yeah? It doesn't you never run into fence posts. You never come to the end of it. Yeah? Days blend into days, blend into days. But they just they're like colors that fade and brighten up on a on a giant strip of space. And your mind now is attentive to that space. Yeah? And the space never changes. You can have all these different frames, but it nothing changes. Yeah. And when you die, you won't know you died. You're never gonna experience your own death, only other people are. You're not gonna experience it. That thing that thinks it's the experiencer is going to die with the body. It's just a voice produced by the brain. Yeah? When the body collapses, it's going to collapse. So if you're waiting for you to be there, you're going to miss the bus. Yeah? This thing is, comes, it's a Johnny come lately. I've had bad accidents in the water. I've had con- concussions where I hit my head. And I hit my head so hard, it froze my system. Yeah? My brain's stopped, you know, it wasn't working, the nervous system shut down, and there was no production of selfing, and it was just raw, vacant, just raw conscious, conscious, conscious contact, which was, everything was happening, brilliant colors, but it was, it was framed with light, a big band of really bright light, yeah, and it took a couple of minutes for my system to reboot, 
And the first thing that came up in my conditional mind, after they brought me in on the, on a, they took me out of the water, I had a wetsuit on, they put me on a long board, and they had to cut the wetsuit off. And they were going to put me in an ambulance. The first thing that came to my conditional head was, I can't afford the ambulance. That's the first thing it was concerned with. Not about my, the life, not about my condition, but how am I going to afford the ambulance? This is selfish. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was just laying there, and that's what it came up with. <laughs> How are you going to rely on that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't see if you're going to, if you try to practice and be really mindful. What happens if you get if a coconut hits you in the head and you die? You're not going to have the time to be mindful of the coconut hitting you. It's your, the brain's going to stop and your voice box is going to stop and you're going to miss the whole boat. Yeah? Because you were taking yourself to be something that could be conscious instead of being consciousness. Yeah? If you're a consciousness, there's no transition. You're not dying. Yeah? The body is ending, but you're not. There's no... Yeah? I don't... I think it's truly seamless because some of the times I've died when I was gone, I have no sense of that place when I'm here and I don't think when you're there you'll have any sense of this place, to tell you the truth. Yeah? I think it's like oil and water. They're not mixing, in a way. Yeah. When you leave the body, all things of the body will be left behind, I'd say. Yeah? As if it never happened. Rob was sharing with me some Sufi thing about a guy sitting next to his grave knowing he was going to die. And, yeah. It's that kind of feeling. I find that people who aren't conscious of consciousness are scared shit of dying. Yeah? Because they think they're going to miss out. But they've missed out already in a lot of ways. Yeah? And they always need more time. Can I get an extension? I need. To, I got more things to do. I've got a, more of that. But I find that people who are really living aren't afraid of death. You know? You know what I mean? But people who aren't living are scared shit of death. I actually think this is a death cult. I think what's happening here is death and we're afraid of life. Yeah? If you want to say. You know what I mean? We're holding on to death. You know, we want to be here as many seconds as we can suck out of it. But I think it's a denial of life in a way. Life comes and goes here and it's nice to be able to be ready to go. I had a chance to see a person die and I helped give birth to a baby and I'll tell you the vortex was very similar the energy was extremely similar almost like an exit in an entrance door <laughs> I swear it was very similar energy going on person was seemingly leaving and the person was seemingly coming but the energy around the event was very similar yeah very similar
enough time talking. We try to suck it out as long as possible. <laughs> two hour, two hour, and two and a half hour lunch. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just run out of stuff, really. That's my dilemma. Because I think it gets to beating a horse, a dead horse. And uh, I don't believe more is better, to tell you the truth, with this message. I don't. I truly believe it's a catalyst. And what I'm relying on here is faith in mind. I believe mind is mind. And I don't think it needs that much prodding. Yeah? It just needs an invitation. So instead of entertaining the message from a point of selfing, it can entertain a message about the selfing. Yeah? Yes? Once the mind entertains it's not that, you better believe there's freedom from it. Yeah? There is. You may be the last one to recognize it. It may come slowly or quickly, but it's inevitable. Yeah? Once the mind wises up, there's no turning it back. You can't forget. What you are isn't speaking about the mind. The mind doesn't forget. Yes? That mind doesn't forget. When it wakes up to its nature, when it gets an invitation or a free sample, it's never forgotten. It's just, just going to act out in whatever way it does to express, sometimes quickly or sometimes slowly. But it's inevitable. Yeah? So we're really lucky that we've heard a message. Seriously. Because like I remember in the course, they have a whole chapter on... I, they go over all these ways of life. Contemplation, meditation, devotion. Yes? And then uh, they basically say if they're all worth their salt, and they are because it's the mind that's doing them, the mind itself, that they'll all succeed sooner or later. The only difference will be in time. Yeah? And what they'll always lead up to the same realization, which is, I need do nothing. Yeah? All of the great paths, in a sense, will lead to the same realization, hey, I need do nothing. Yeah? We're just trying to start there. Yeah? Because if you keep looking for something, it's going to basically add up to nothing anyway. So why not start with nothing? Yeah, see how it goes. So when I read that chapter, I think I'll just go to I need do nothing. It sort of fits me better. <laughs> and you know what? It worked. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> It was a one of a million chance. <laughs> I got the lucky number. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just didn't have it in me. I told you this one time. I'll tell you a good story. I used to, I remember I went to this holy mountain in America called Mount Shasta. It's a really cool place. About six hours north of San Francisco. And I got invited to go to this Indian sweat, Native American Indian sweat. And it was a really important sweat for the people who were into sweats. Yeah, It was like a once-a-year thing. So people from all around the country were coming to the sweat. I didn't know anything about it. I just went there. And they, they brought an Indian, you know, a real Indian. He was going to run the sweat. And they built the sweat. And it was a huge thing. And you go in there. I had no idea about it. I'd never done one. And they have rocks. And they put hot water on them with herbs. And they really cook it up. And they have a flap that's totally dark. So when I got in there, I was standing up, holding to the raft as like a subway, and I didn't know when the flat went down, most people sat down. 
because the heat rises, you know. And by the time I tried to sit down, there was people in my space. So I stuck holding, and I swear my underarms got singed, my inside, my nostrils, in my ear. It was I got fried, and I couldn't wait for them to open that flap. So Diane ran into the stream, jumped in, and then I went back in again. And I was just praying. Every time he threw more water on the rock, I'd go, no, no. And I had myself like this, trying to stop the wave, because a wave of heat would come over you. And I'd be like, and I was, I was planning, I'm going to kill someone. I'm going to open up this thing right here, make my own flat. And I was always far from the flat. I was dying in this place. And they're saying, oh, this is the purification and everything. But I kept doing it all weekend. Yeah. Years later, something happened to my head. My friends, who are all Americans, got involved in the Native American Indian thing. And they were going to have a sweat in this town nearby my house. And my friend invited me. He wanted me to come and support him. So I said, all right. So we go to the sweat, and they brought an Indian from Oklahoma, and uh, they built it, you know. (laughs) So we all go into the sweat, and as soon as I realized it's getting hot, I walked right out. (laughs) There was no debate. I said, this is hot. I walked out, and I'm sitting, and I had all the food and soda outside. And it was a beautiful stall, and I could hear them moaning and praying, and like this, I'm sitting there, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? What happened from that time to that time? My mind had changed. The only thing that kept me in that freaking sweat was this idea that it was going to make me something better than I was. That had been blown out of the water. And, you know, I recognized it for what it was. It's freaking hot. You know? And I don't want to be hot. So I walked out. Really clearly. Have I had any guilt ever? No. Did I miss anything? No. You know? Yeah. So, you'll know when the mind changes, yeah? You will. It's like you can't know the tree, but you'll know it by its fruits. You'll see how you travel, and over time you can't deny it. You'll realize you're traveling later, and that's the fruits of the tree you're sitting under. You know, now the mind's relying on something that's reliable. Yeah? And it's demonstrating the reliability through characteristics and expressions of your life. How else can it demonstrate? Yeah? has to manifest through something, so it manifests through us. Yeah? You move one from one tree that always had you looking up and worried, and now you're in another tree where you can really rest. It's the same mind, it's just moved. Yeah? Like they said, the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. It's just where it's sitting. So, that's it. Eh? Does anyone feel cheated? (laughs) Well, the self thing comes about when there's a claiming and there's someone who's now having that experience. Yeah? In other words, you become a state that has received a very, another state, but you're the prior state, and that state has a continuum, a constancy, it's alive, right? That's the selfing. The selfing isn't the activity of the mind, the selfing is what it produces, the vague sense of being an independent, long-lasting, separate entity. That's the selfing. It's not the the words or the thoughts or the language. It's how it's being used to point to a phantom. 
And if there's a feeling of being you, you're at the after effect of the pointing. In other words, you're at the effect of it. You're not the cause or you're not what it's doing. You're not the thing it's do- that the selfing's doing it to. You're the effect of selfing. That feeling that you're taking to be you is an effect of selfing. The selfing produces an effect. The effect is a feeling of being a you. When you're in that feeling of being a you, yeah, you can see the feeling of being a you because it's going to produce the feeling of being a you and you can see that. That's not selfing. That's seeing. Yeah, It's usually when you... You'll only see the selfing to a point until the feeling of being a you. Then there'll be a feeling that you're seeing the selfing. That's the product of selfing. Yeah? So the seeing gets forgotten, and now you're the seer, which is a, a state of observation. That doesn't work for me. doesn't work for me. For me, it doesn't, no. It has more knowledge than the consequential level, but it doesn't help for me. Yeah? The observing has more knowledge than the consequential level. And the consequential level, you're like in the hallway of shit and fans. You don't know what's going on. You know, just trying to run the gauntlet without getting too much shit on your face. But observation, you start having a little more awareness of stuff that's going on, but it's very defined. Yeah? And it usually doesn't show up when you most need it. Yeah? The seeing is much more reliable. Well, it's reliable. It's not more reliable. It's reliable. Yeah? The scene. Yeah. You just see it. You see the observer arise. You see the ache of being a you beat like an artificial heart wanting to capture the blood system to feed it. Yeah? The attention. You see it. And if you don't buy into it, you'll see more. Yeah? And there's a point where what gets emphasized is not what's being seen, but the seeing itself. That's pretty nice. Yeah? Most of the time now, the emphasis is on what's being seen. That's why we're using that to see what we're not. Because the emphasis in the beginning is going to be on what's being seen. So we're saying, all right, emphasize that, and then entertain you're not that which is being seen, because you're going to see it. I'm telling you, a lot of it. But then the emphasis shifts to the seeing, then there's no need for understanding anymore. The understanding's done its job, yeah? The view is just a substitute for the vision. Once the vision is in place, the view's nice. It's nice to share it with people. It's a nice way to express things and to understand people and, and do that. But it's not... It doesn't have the value it once did because the seeing is what it was a substitute for, in a sense. Or, let's say, a, a way station for but once the seeing gets established, yeah, the seeing is in and of itself is the information, yeah, because you're being informed. Downloads are coming. Information's being downloaded, and it's being digested, not by selfing, and then it's being expressed. The selfing will make note of it and try to claim it, but it has nothing to do with it. It's been digested by another aspect of mind, and it's seeking expression, and it's going to find expression. And of course, the self will go, that's me, I've got, oh, I'm so much better, I'm, I'm really clear now. It was when I did that, and this and that. It will try to claim it and make stories around it. You see that. You see it. Because nothing gets behind the scene, nothing. And like how Huang Po said, the great Zen master says, whatever can be perceived, thoughts, 
feelings, this, cannot perceive. So what's perceiving can't be perceived. What's like, Wei Wu Wei says, what's conceiving can't be conceived of. Yes? So what's seeing can never be seen. It's the seeing. Yeah? So that drive to know is dropped, and then you are that. I mean, to know it would have been a bad booby prize, really. Because again, when you really needed it, it probably wouldn't have been there. But to be it, it's available all the time, right where you are, in every situation you find yourself in. It's available. To me, that's where the rubber hits the road, is in my living. Yeah? I don't want to have a, 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 an understanding that just blossoms when I go on a retreat for three days on an upper-middle-way retreat center, you know, with great food and everything like that. I like that. But I want to have it on Monday morning and Wednesday. And when my girlfriend is having trouble and I don't know how to help her and just to be able to hold the space to her or hear terrible news about my girlfriend having cancer or something, what the hell am I going to do with that? Just hold the space, yeah? That's where it's applicable. I don't want to have to run, because of my fear of the moment, have to run some spiel of philosophy on her. You don't have, there's no one who's having cancer. That's all bullshit. Just hold the space for her. Yeah? That's as real as real can be at that moment. It's unreal, but it's as real as real can be. Honor it. Yeah? That's what this provides for me. It gives me the possibility of what you I would say would be humanness. To be human in situations and circumstances. Yeah? Not above, not below, but right here. Yeah? Available and present. I find that really rewarding. It's, it's, it's a, it produces a real strong sense of contentment, you know. I remember I used to be so affiliated and identified with my spirituality. People would try to, if I was practicing, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let anyone intervene, you know. If my girlfriend really wanted to spend time with me. I'm practicing. I was such a fucking asshole in a lot of ways. I'm practicing. Get back to me later. Can't be disturbed. Give me a break. You know? Life's knocking on my door. I'm just, no, can't receive that package. No, no, no. I've got more important things to do. No, get the kids out of here. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that wasn't working for me. Yeah, that was just another way of hiding to me. Spirituality was just like shooting drugs. I was just trying to hide. Yeah? I was trying to be detached and untouchable so I wouldn't get hurt. Yeah? I wouldn't get uh, involved with the, the dirtiness of life, the disappointments of life, you know? the difficult times of life. You know? Everything I did since I was young, reading fantasy books, horror books, sports, drugs and alcohol, spirituality, were all forms of escaping. Yeah, I just wanted to escape out of some place. I found the greatest escape is to be here. That's all. Seriously, it's worked for me. It took a long time to get to that point. But when I let everything be as real as it wanted to be, it showed itself to be inherently unreal. Hallelujah. Yeah? Because yeah, I was taking it to be real as hell by trying to make it unreal all day. So, And you can do that with spirituality, with everything. Yeah? So... This allows me to be loving and stuff and present for people in my life and people in AA and, and to myself, you know? Yeah. 
It's pretty cool. To come back to this, from this reminds me of when I was a kid. To be able to come back to it is just such a joy. You know, it's not even coming back to it, but just be just accessing the availability that seemed so available when I was a kid. To be accessing that same availability now as an older person, an older adult, it's been it's just really cool. Yeah. It's just really cool. It makes me all soft inside, cry, but cry like with joy. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's cool. So, that's all we're entertaining. Uh, this is how it worked for me. There may be a lot of ways it could work for other people, but I like the back doorway that I'm not that. Yeah? I know I have my reasons why it works, but and I share them. But, uh, you know, something else may call you. It doesn't matter. Inevitably, it's the mind that's entertaining whatever it is that's going to... That's the freedom. It's not anything it does, it doesn't do. Yeah? So. Is that it? <laughs> right. Is everyone?